You're listening to Within Tolerance, a podcast for machinists by a machinist. I'm your host, Dylan Jackson from Proteo Machining. And this week, I am joined by Trevor Hershey of Titan Ring Designs. Welcome, Trevor. Thanks. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast. It's uh, I've seen you on Instagram forever, um, both your stuff. I, I saw your little collab with Discommon, which was super cool. And uh, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for thanks for inviting me because this is this is the first time I've done this kind of stuff. I, you know, I like to talk to other people, and it's always like, you know, there's this great uh, community on Instagram, but like you don't you don't get to meet these people unless like you run into them at uh, you know conference or your local or something. So, yeah, this is this is awesome. Thanks. Well, for those who don't follow you, where can they find you online? What do you do? What, you know, what does Titan Ring Designs do? What do you do? Outside of that, all the good stuff. So I'm I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, Titan Ring Designs is is the company that I started. Um, I have a website, just www.titanringdesigns.com. Um, I sell stuff on on Etsy. Um, for for bigger stuff, I'll you know just make like a a PayPal invoice if somebody wants to buy something. So I mean, like really any. Anyway, somebody wants to pay me if they want to buy something, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, mostly those those venues. So okay, and then what kind of products are you known for? And and you know what made you? Uh, you know, I, I hate to say like Instagram famous, but I feel like I saw a bunch <laughs> of your stuff forever popping up on you know all the repost terrible Instagram pages and things uh-huh. like that. Um, so I I do rings. I I started with that a few years back. Um, I just like designing things and I ended up, uh, when I was getting married, there was like not great options and it was like, you know, I'm a machinist. Why don't I just like make something cool? Uh, something that's not just like, you know, punch it out in 10 minutes on a lathe. So, um, I've, I've got into rings. Um, I like just about, I mean, I, if you're in manufacturing, chances of liking more than, you know, like one niche is, is pretty common i feel like everybody can you know make something else too um and so like i did i did some fidget spinners you know i don't like to to like rope myself into that category but like it was a great thing and it was fun and um i enjoyed it it made some good money um i i i like to do um custom design work if i can if i have people that just say hey will you design me this thing or, Hey, we want to collaborate and have you make whatever, even if it's just, we've already got the design you want to make it. So kind of fall into the, uh, the job shop type category, I guess. Um, yeah, that door but, handle you did recently, was wicked. That thing was super cool. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a big, like a, a really big project where it was just here, take, take the reins and run with it. And, um, guy just wanted a, an awesome door open, you know, door handle. And it was a lot of work, <laughs> but I mean, I, I came up with the design and, you know, from start to finish, it was the whole thing. It was, it was me. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then occasionally I'll, I'll get someone like, uh, you know, Neil Ferrier from, from this common, he wanted some help with some stuff and, um, took advantage of the fact that I, I do this as a hobby. So like, my, my free time is, you know, open to, uh, this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, that was a tight timing 
to do that project, but that was pretty fun. I didn't do any design work. It was just, Hey, we want you to make it. Um, you know, I had a little bit of control over like trying to, trying to get the tool paths to look like what they wanted. Um, but you know, it was mostly just, just make the part, but that was a fun one too. So. Yeah. yeah. I remember you posting about like needing all of these things in like a very rushed timeline. It was like, Oh, oh I man. need this giant block of titanium. Oh, I need these tools like really quickly. Yeah. But, I felt secondhand stress for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's it was one of those really rushed projects, but like at the same time, you know, those and, and Neil says it's like this, you know, you you get put under pressure and it, it helps you grow. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's true. Um Yeah, you can't make a diamond without pressure. Yeah, exactly. So that was a that was a good one. Um but most of the time I, you know, I don't have as big a time constraints. It's kind of like just up to me and my free time and do whatever. So definitely. Well, let's get into your backstory then. How did you get to the point where you're, you know, making stuff like that at home and, and everything in between? Uh, so I guess, I guess about me, I, I, uh, I've always been interested in cars and, uh, my, my, I grew up with my dad, um, being big into cars. He paints, he's, he's a really good car painter. Um, he did that professionally for a number of years and, and now he just does it as a hobby. Um, but the, the automotive industry got me interested in, um, you know, mechanics and stuff. And when I was in high school, I had a, uh, like a a shop teacher, an auto shop teacher that said, Hey, you know what? You're a little bit more, you're a little bit more detail oriented. You should go, go up to the tech school and go take the machining course that they offer up there. And, uh, they, they offered that through our high school. It was like, uh, I mean, it was really short. It was like two hours, um, two hours of your, your day and like an hour of it was bus time. So, I mean, I had a really short shop experience, but I, I got in there. I loved the teachers. I thought it was really cool. And, you know, I, I, I think I, I broke like a, a dirt bike foot peg and like, I couldn't find one quick enough or something. And I just was like, you know what? I can make this, you know? And so I just jumped on a mill and like, I, I spent some time designing one and then jumped on a mill and, and cut it out. And I thought that was just like the coolest thing ever. So I kind of got hooked and, uh, went through the, the machining program. Um, got a, got a certificate of completion in that. And I've worked in, in, in machine shops, manufacturing ever since. Um, and that was, you know, 15 years or so, something like that. So, I've, I've just enjoyed making things and it's been a lot of fun working in different shops. Um, uh, some, some are just like, you know, job shops where it's whatever the part is, you just make it. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I have, I have this artistic background. And so it was always like, wow, this is a super cool part. What is it? I don't know. It's just the part we're making today. And it's like, how do you not know? Like, this is awesome. Well, I think it goes to like, an F-35, you know, a fighter jet. And it's like, what, how are you like nerding out about that? Like, this is super (laughs) cool. Right. And so like, I, it was cool. I don't know if I can, you know, say what, what parts I've made probably shouldn't, but you know, I've made, made parts for NASA, Boeing, um, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, um, you know, all the, all the big automotive manufacturing companies that do, uh, there's, there's a facility that is local here that makes, um, airbags and so made a lot of parts for them and in turn they make you know parts for all the big car manufacturers around the world 
Um, I've made medical parts. I've made dental parts. I've made optical parts, aerospace, just, just about anything, you know, that's kind of what the machining industry is all about. Um, but I've, I've always had this, like, uh, you know, the sense of like wanting to make something cool for like cool sake, not just, well, that was neat, you know, and now I'll never see it cause it's going in an airplane or something like that. But, right. um, you know, almost like Chris Bathgate where it's art for art's sake. And, you know, I've, I've talked to him about that and I think that's super cool. And I would love to, um, have more time to, to devote to doing things like that. Um, but you know, there's, there's only so much time in the day and, uh, you know, family's important and, you know, I've got to do things with my kids and see my wife and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I eventually got into, um, teaching where I, where I went to school, which was, uh, uh, you know, really lucky. I think a, a big blessing in my life. Um, because I was kind of like in between jobs and it, it kind of like fell open to me just magically. <laughs> um, my old teacher called me up and he was like, Hey, I know you're probably, probably off making millions, making rings or something. But like, if you're interested, um, we just had an opening, you know, your, your old teacher is retiring. And so we need another teacher and, um, you should put in a resume. And I was like, you know what, this is great timing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I think, I think that would be pretty cool. Cause I get to help, I get to help, you know, people learn about, uh, machining and, and kind of share my passion with other people. So, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been doing that for about, uh, five years now and it's, it's pretty great. I, I like it. It's fun. Um, there are things about it that, you know, are not great sometimes. Like there are some students that are just difficult to work with or other people, but, um, that's like any other job, right? Especially um, teaching. My wife's yeah. a third grade teacher and uh, <laughs> I, I feel for her very yeah. often. <laughs> it, it can be challenging, but for the most part, I mean, like I don't have, I don't have a boss that's like barking down my, my back about like, you know, you've got to get these, these parts made like now, get them done, get them shipped out the door because customers are waiting. It's like, you know, even my most stressful day is like, I go home at the end of the day and like, I sleep easy because you know, we're not curing cancer. We're helping kids learn how to cut metal. You know, it's like, it's really important because the industry is really needing of that right now. Um, but like, it's not, it's not a, a really stressful job and it's got pretty great benefits and it's a pretty chill environment. And then I've got, you know, my shop here at home that I can do whatever and have some fun with. So yeah, that's yeah, great. That's 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 kind of my story. I just, I guess that's how I got into it. So, did you start the shop at home while you were still working in like job shops, or was that kind of as coinciding with you moving into teaching? Yeah, good question. So, I I worked for a guy in California. Um, his name's Jeff McWinney. Uh, he makes he makes these opening wedding rings. Um, his company's called McWinney Designs. Fantastic guy. Uh, I love him to death. Um, he, I, I, I think I discovered him on, not online actually, it was in a printed magazine, um, like entrepreneur fast company or something. And I saw his rings and I was like, holy cow, there's another guy that's making machined titanium wedding rings. You know, this is super cool. So just, you know, sent him an email and just got to talking to him. Um, 
and and he doesn't like to type a lot so he was like you know just call me so we ended up like phone calls all the time and eventually i he was in san francisco i'm in in northern utah so it's only like 12 hours away and uh my wife and i were were looking for something to do for an anniversary and uh so we went out there got to meet him you know kind of solidified the friendship a little bit more and he offered me a job a couple months later and i was i was in a job shop at the time and it was like you know what this sounds like a pretty cool opportunity. Let's, let's do that. So I moved to, um, San Anselmo, San Rafael, North, North Bay area. And, uh, got to, got to go work out there, live out there for about a year. Um, although I wouldn't really say it was work because it was probably the most fun, um, like job I've ever had. It was just phenomenal. Um, and it was, it was all, uh, you know, the design work, the production, the finish work, the assembly, um, you know, meeting customers, just, just all of it. It was just the two of us. Like he was, he was busy enough to keep me busy. Um, just needed some help. And like, it was, it was a great job. Um, after a while, um, we, we found out my wife was pregnant. And so we were like, you know what, San Francisco is kind of an expensive place to, you know, have a kid <laughs> and live yeah. still. Um, and so we were like, let's go back to back home to Utah where cost of living is a lot cheaper. We've got family there. Um, but I was kind of sad about like, well, I, I want to keep this job. And, and Jeff was pretty great. He was like, well, if you have a place to put, put a machine, you know, this, the machine I have is only, it's, it's the Haas office mill. It's only like the size of a fridge. So it's kind of like, if you've got a, a, 10 by 10 garage, you know, you can put it in there and still work. So it's like, Hey, that's a good idea. Um, so I, I actually gave my dad a bunch of money to build a shop in his backyard on his property. And, uh, so he built the shop and put the machine in it. So I worked for, for him from home for another six or seven months and he'd kind of slowed down and, uh, he was kind of, we were, we were kind of bummed about it. He's like, I, I can't afford to keep you. Um, but I'll give you a good deal on, on some of that equipment. So he, he sold me the machine, um, a little lathe, a, a jeweler's lathe, a 11 lathe and let's see, like a tumbler air compressor, you know, just whatever you need to basically to run a little shop. And so I've, I've kind of just had a little machine shop off of that. So that's how I got, got into my own stuff. Um, I had a design that I kind of, I guess if we patented it, I would be the, the, the big name on the patent. Cause I came up with the design. Um, and I kind of, we, we worked a deal to, you know, for the equipment and, and trade for some of this design and stuff like that. So, um, that's kind of how I got to the, having my own shop, my own equipment. And then, you know, I'm, you know, making money here and there. I add a microscope, add some more tools, just, just whatever. So, yeah, kind of Very fun. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just looked up his uh, rings. I, I didn't recognize like the, the the name kind of ring a bell, but now that I see the rings, it I've definitely seen them before. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's a big bike guy. Um, he's friends with uh, probably a couple other people you've you've talked to. I know he's friends with Josh Ogle. Okay. Um, they were I think I think Josh Ogle lived in the same neighborhood as him. And so they, they grew up. And so that's how I know Josh Ogle too. So just such just a small world, small world, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is the, 
you get into this and you just meet people all over. So kind of fun. That's really cool. That is, is excellent. So I, I want to jump back kind of into your, your design then, because you know, you, you have some really cool stuff. So like when, Thanks. I mean, I, I want to go into both your designs and then stuff that like you've designed for others, so like on that door handle, how much, I guess, input is the customer giving you on something like that? Like, are you doing a rough draft, sending it over They're you know, touching it up or, you know, giving you comments and then you go back through a few rounds or was that one kind of hands off or how'd that go? Yeah, he, uh, so that, that customer, he's, he's pretty wealthy and he's, he's had a couple of my other products and, um, he just kind of sent me some messages and messages and said, Hey, would you be interested in, in designing this, I, I really need just like this really crazy, you know, over-engineered basically door handle. And, you know, he kind of told me, gave me the specs of what it is, where it goes, what it's doing. Um, and then I was like, just kind of free reign on whatever. And he was like, yep, whatever you want. It's like, okay, I, I guess That's I better epic. spend some time like on Pinterest and, you know, look around for ideas or something like that. And, uh, so I did, I just kind of took other mechanisms and, and things that I've seen and just, you know, uh, I, I, I don't sketch like by hand very much. Um, I said, I have artistic background. My mom's pretty great drawing by hand, freehand sketch and painting. Same with my sisters. Um, I guess I could, if I were to like develop or, you know, spend time to develop the talent, I could, I could do it. But most of my, my sketching is, um, you know, CAD CAD side. So I, I'll do it in SolidWorks and make just a rough model. You know, I, I try not to like spend too much time with constraints. You know, I'm kind of, kind of messy with the sketch at first. Cause it's like, am I going to get this job? Is it, is it going to work? Like, do I have to start over from here? You know, what, what is it going to do? And so I actually got really lucky that I just kind of pieced together some ideas and threw it in a model and sent him some some renderings and he was like, holy cow, I love it. That's, that's gorgeous. Um, can you do this? Can you add that? Can you make this thinner? You know, so he had a couple of ideas to, to alter it, but for the most part, it was like, there were, there were probably only like two revisions in that thing. And it was just like what I came up with and he was like, love it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So how cool that was, that was a fun one. It, it wasn't a great money maker because <laughs> I kind of learned about, uh, um, you know, time and, and, uh, definitely bit off more than I could chew, but it was a, it was a great project for the, the experience for, and, and mostly for the experience of, of just that going, wow, this was like, I made 10 bucks an hour on this and right. like, that's pretty bad, you know? And, and, you know, I'm doing it on the, the nights and, and, like weekends too. So it took forever and he, you know, cause he's, he was pretty patient and just like, yeah, how's it going? You got any updates, you know, and I'd send him some pictures and, or, or just show it on Instagram. He followed me on Instagram and it was, you know, I was showing stuff there. Um, but he was, he was pretty great with it. So That's that cool. was a fun one. How, did yeah. he give you attachment points that were already on the cabinet or did they mm-hmm. make that? Yeah. Important? So it was, okay. it was a glass door and he basically said it's a, uh, what was it? Like a, a quarter inch hole through or something like that. And he wanted six millimeter 
well, I think he wanted six millimeter. I don't remember, but it was, you know, six is closest to close to quarter inch anyways. So I just did six millimeter cause I had a thread mill for it already. And, um, but yeah, he gave me the, the distance center to center and I just went with that. Cool. So it's like, we, I want, you know, I 3d printed a prototype and just like, you know, got the idea of, okay, yeah, this is about the size of, you know, what that's going to be. Give me an idea of what I'm working with, working with here. And, um, kind of big parts for my machine, um, at least lengthwise. But like, other than that, it was, it was pretty great. I've, I've since done some bigger things that it's like, okay, I can, I can kind of push the envelope on, you know, what this little machine is capable of anyways. You know, they, Haas has recommendations for like max tool size and, and stuff like that. But I've, I've done some bigger things and it's done Not great, too bad. but I love doing little stuff too. So. Yeah. Well, what about like the rest of your product line then? Like how did the tie clip come about? I mean, we already know how you, you wanted oh, a wedding ring. So yeah. did you need a tie clip for something and you were like, uh-huh. all right. Yeah. So the, the tie clip, you know, I, I go to church on Sunday. I'm, I'm a good guy. And, uh, so I just, I don't know. I've always wanted a tie clip and I've, I've probably got, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of models and solid works of just things that, you know, I was, I, it used to be, it used to be my like sit down and, and, um, do this as a hobby thing just play on SolidWorks. And, uh, well, I was at, while I was at school anyways. And so I had all these designs and it was just like one day I was, I had like some, uh, I don't remember the, the company that makes the clamp, but it's an over center mechanism. And it was like the perfect little mechanism to like, kind of i guess commandeer the the mechanism to put into the, like my tie clip because i i, I kind of had this idea all of a sudden i was like oh that would be perfect and so i just kind of and, and the tie clip was pretty awesome actually because i i i went from idea let's make this tie clip on a friday to one in my hand on a monday oh that's the best kind of project like it was it was the fastest uh thing i've ever done in, in terms of like, I want to make this and cause like I, I do a lot of ring designs that like it, it's a year in the making or it's, you know, I, I did, I did designed this three or four years back and it's just never made it. And I'm looking for something to do. And it's like, you know what I should do with this, let's alter this, change that, tweak this and, and get a new idea out of it. But the tie clip was completely new and it was done in a weekend. I went from sketch on SolidWorks. I just bought a, uh, a Prusa, M- mk2s okay. printer and um you know little small parts for that that printer but i i printed it on like saturday had the design all finished up on saturday printed it saturday night i went you know what this is cool but i need to make a revision here because i don't like this and so i i changed it really quick printed another one saturday night um I don't work Sundays, so I didn't really do anything with Sunday, but I was like, okay, I know, I know, I don't, I'm not going to print the next one. I know what I need to do before I go machine it. And so I went over to my shop on a Monday, Monday morning and made a quick change. It's the same. I kind of use the same size stock for like rings or tie clips or, uh, the, the fidget spinners that I made. It makes it easy. I use a lot of the same tools. So setup times are really pretty quick and efficient. And I whipped it out in like, I mean, it only took me a couple hours to get it done. And I was like, holy cow, this works really well. This is awesome. I love it. This is great. You know, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, 
I, I wish more people were interested in them. I don't think there's like a huge, huge market for it. It's not like Grimsmo knives or something, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if it was, cause it's a pretty fun, pretty fun gig. It's just one size fits all, but. Right. Um, no, it's a really cool product. I, I, yeah, it was, it was fun. And, and I had somebody that told me, they're like, you know, that's really cool. You should, you should like put that in uh, like a design competition or something. And so I was like, oh, okay, well tell me more. You know, I, I think it was actually Yanko design. Somebody pointed me off to, to Yanko and had a, they had a link to some design competition and it was um, the A prime design, international design Oh, never heard uh, it's, it. it's kind of like red dot. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of them, but it's, it's a bigger one. And it's like, okay, cool. So I entered it into that and I, I got, um, oh gosh, I don't even remember if it was a, like a second, second place or third place. I can't remember. I'm embarrassed. That's now. epic though. But Congrats. like, you know, it, it was kind of cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, it was, you know, out of, out of like thousands of people submitting, you know, I thought it was free and I ended up like, I got pretty deep into it and then it was like, oh, well, it's a, you've got, you've got this entrance fee. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'm, I'm this close anyways. I'll just, just put it in. So I want to, I want an award with that. And I, I don't know if it's like, I've heard people complain about red dot design awards and it's like, well, you can just buy the red dot design award basically. Right. Pay pay the money. (laughs) You you get an award sort of thing. So I don't know if it's that or anything, but whatever. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Cause like there's this part of, of making things that, um, you're, you're kind of like, holy cow, somebody just gave me money for this thing that was like a figment of my imagination, you know, just a thought. Maybe I should talk them out of it. Like, do they really want this? Like, is that for real? You know, you're kind of like, <laughs> you're shocked almost, right? Um, but it's it's cool, like, when when people do that, because that's kind of how the world operates. It's like, you know, Apple makes a, a cool phone, and so I'll give them money for the cool phone or whatever, you know, it's it's like anything else. I like, I like the Toyota 4Runner. I'm going to, you know pay them for for that product so it really it shouldn't be that cons- or that um shocking but it was it was like well i've never sold anything and i just sold this thing that you know i came up with you know it's kind of neat it's it's fun it's rewarding so definitely and, and, and then, then what about your your fidget spinner uh, i mean that, that like you know that they're so far past you know present anymore but yeah. looking at your one where you have the the mount of it like a desk mm-hmm. mount. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I had never really in my mind put those as like, Oh, that's a fidget spinner that's mounted. I was always like, Oh, that's something I would gladly buy and put on my desk. Mm-hmm. You know, like still, even, even still today, like I'm like, Oh, that's just like cool desk art kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess, you know, when 2017, like the beginning of 2017 rolled around and, and they were like be- becoming this big craze. And it's like, there were a couple of, uh, I don't know how much you, you followed the, the fidget spinners, but there was these, uh, custom knife factory out of Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar. You've seen that the Pepyaka was the one that they did, right? If you've seen that. Oh yeah. And it was like two or 300 bucks. And I was like, that thing is kind of cool looking, but there's no way I would pay that, that money for this thing that like, you know, at first I was like, okay, it does something. What does it do? What what is the catch? You know? (laughs) And it's like, oh, it spins. Yeah. Oh my heck. That's, that's so simple and so stupid. I'm not paying that for that, but I want one. Well, what Honestly, if I do my own, you know? <laughs> I, I feel like if you were a machinist with access to machines 
at that point in time, if you didn't at least attempt to make a fidget spinner, you were purposefully being contrarian. Uh-huh. Like you were like doing it. You were not doing it just to spite everyone else, because I don't know anybody who wasn't like, you know, I'll give, I, I'll buy a bearing and I'll give it a shot and see, you know, like I have, I've got a, two or three different 3d printed designs and one, I think that I machined and it, it never got anywhere to where I was like, Oh yeah, I'm super proud of this and I'm going to put it up for sale. But it was like, you know, you got to play around with it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the, my, my attempt to do that was like, I, so for the people, I don't, is this, is this uh recording? Is, are people going to see this? Do you have a video for this too? I didn't even no, no, to no. ask you that. Okay. No. Well, anyways, you can see it cause we're on video, but back here above that window in my shop, I had a, an old, and actually it's on my toolbox right now. You can kind of see, see it right it. there, yeah, but yeah. it's an old, old wood, uh, like world war two era, um, UAV prop. And I've, I've been into aviate. I like aviation stuff. And so I was like, Oh my heck, a propeller is the perfect fidget spinner. I'll just miniaturize it, you know, make my own design. And so that's exactly what I did. I just made one up real quick. Like the air, the, uh, um, the profile, the airfoil on it is like not anything that, you know, would be engineered for like lift and thrust or anything like that, but it looks cool. It looks kind of similar to something you'd see. And so I just made one out of titanium really quick and I had it on, this, this was the first time I have, I had sold anything actually. So this was the time where it was like, oh my gosh, somebody just bought something from me. Are you for real? Like I got, I got to go make this now. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but I had it on, on like e, some EDC forum and, and people were just like, I got to have that. Where did you get that? Well, I made it. How much? I want one. And I was like, oh uh, well, I guess I got to think about like what my time is into, into making it, you know? And so I just kind of, I, I think pricing, pricing my products is difficult too, but I just kind of came out with something and it's like, well, I've got this much time into making it. If I wanted to sell one, like, you know, I guess it'd be worth my time at like four or 500 bucks, um, which was like a lot for the, the spinner market, right? Like most, most everybody was like, 25 to 200 or something like that and so saying 400 dollars for this this propeller was like you're crazy dude no way but there are a lot of people in the world and i i had talked to chris bathgate and he was like i think it's cool run with it man um here's what you do go go create like a, a google docs spreadsheet or whatever and you can put your orders in there and then just have a google form so if people want to buy it they just link it from your website and uh, have like a sign up page. And I did that and I shared it on a Facebook page. And overnight I had like 25 orders or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, Whoa, I got a, I got a lot of work to do now. And I just made a whole lot of money. Oh my gosh. What am I going to do? Like, am I scaled up to do this? I want to be doing this for like a year. And it, it kind of was, it did take me a while to, to catch up, but like, it was pretty awesome at the same time. Cause you know, it kind of showed that there were, there were people that are willing to pay for, you know, the, the artist touch, the, the personal touch, the limited edition touch, the, you know, all, all of these things, the high, high, high valued materials, um, stuff like that. So it was, it was kind of fun and I just jumped into it, <laughs> but yeah. That was a fun project. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I feel like pricing anything is kind of tough and you like it takes a lot of experience 
a, a lot of screwing up to like where you mm-hmm. are making, you know, 10 bucks an hour and you're like, oh, okay, I got to price that higher next time. Or like, maybe I don't want that kind of work or, uh, you know, even in like drop shop, drop shop stuff like I do, like I, I, we have slowly moved towards like, you know what? We don't need to win everything. We're not going to be everybody's machine shop. We just need the right customers and the right work that we do really well. And like mm-hmm. focusing that and realizing that has really helped us do good business. You know, I'm not like pissed off because I took some job that I don't want and I'm making not enough money on it. It's like the jobs I take, I know I can kill and run with. And, and you know, that's where we succeed. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You learn as you go, right? There, there are things that you're like, oh my gosh, that was that was terrible. I don't want to work for them anymore because they were terrible or maybe I just messed up, messed up on this thing or, or whatever, but you kind of learn as you go. So it's, yeah, it's all, it's all an onward process, right? Definitely. Learning new stuff. Well, so. before we get onto questions, I also want to touch on education because I think that that's super important and I really applaud you for doing that because like I I went to a a tech school and got my associates in machine tool technology and Mm -hmm. like I think it's great that someone like you with such recent job shop experience is teaching Mm -hmm. because like I had one of the most influential teachers for me was one guy who was an adjunct when I was starting there Mm-hmm. And was still working at a job shop. And like he recognized that I really was into this stuff and like would, you know, show us videos or like show us, you know, speeds and feeds documents from like actual tool websites, not like be, you know, not force us to go look it up in the machinery manual or, you know, machinery yeah. handbook. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, I think it's great that like you're able to provide that kind of perspective. But um, I, I guess. I think the biggest question that, you know, so many people are trying to onboard new people and bring new people in because it's tough to find good help. What lessons have you learned about how to, you know, avoid some of the pitfalls of teaching somebody machining? Oh, interesting. Um, I, I think, at least in my area, it's really interesting to kind of watch the dynamic of of the the shops and where I where I teach as an educational institution, um, because there's a lot of a lot of shops. Um, so Northern Utah, Utah has I think I, I'm not great on the statistics, but I think Utah has the lowest unemployment in the nation right now. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. And. Utah has a huge amount of manufacturing facilities. So at least in the counties that I, I cover for like where I teach the, the, the people that like feed into our students who we get as students, um, that, that area has so much, um, and, and specifically machining, but manufacturing in, in general, and so we have a lot of need for, for machinists right now and a lot of people uh, for making things, you know, just, just manufacturing. Um, but it's really interesting right now with the, the way wages are because the, the machine shops, it's also kind of a low, a low cost of living place where I'm at, um, which is nice. But that with that comes lower wages and they're, kind of lower for the country um, I think 
But it's interesting to see the shops that can't get enough people and they wonder why, because they're only paying somebody to start, you know, right out of our program at like 13, 14 bucks an hour. And right now that's like asinine um, because there are, there are, so there's, there's a cash Valley where I'm close to living has a lot of dairy production and there's a, a company called Schreiber's um, and, and Gosner's another one. And they do production line, you know, dairy products. And they are hiring people like high school, you know, I don't even know if you need a GED or, or a diploma to work there and you can go get like 18, 19 bucks an hour starting out. And these machine shops that take somebody that's got, you know, a, a certificate, a couple years of experience. And it's like, Hey, we're going to start you at 14 bucks an hour. You know, mm-hmm. it's great, great place to work. And it's like, well, yeah, the opportunities are going to be better there because you're going to learn more and the advancements better. But uh, like Bill's got to get paid, you know, you got to put food on the table. So I'm going to go work over there because it's kind of uh, mindless work and they'll pay me good money to do it. Right. Um, which is sad, but it's it's one of the things that I see with with manufacturing that has a problem. Um I guess, you know, we got to face it that like machining is a skilled trade, you know, there's, there's a lot to know and a lot to understand and experience plays a big part. And you find somebody that has all that. And right now they're worth a lot. Um, but nobody wants to pay for that, but everybody wants it. Right. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta fill the gap. You know, there's, I mean, where, where I'm at, all of these shops end up poaching employees from each other. It's like, I'll give you a dollar more to come over here. And it's like, okay, well, they, they won't pay me more. So I'm going to go over there and they pack up their toolbox. And it's like, wait, we'll give you a dollar 25 to stay. Okay, fine. Sure. And then the other company's like, well, we'll take it to a dollar 50 or two, you know? And it's just, it's ridiculous that it, it takes like threatening leaving to, to go anywhere. It's, it's kind of sad. Um, yeah. I've yeah. experienced that firsthand. Uh, I want to say two shops ago that I worked at two or three, um, they, they hired me. I, I was really needing a job. I had been, I had like left the first shop I worked at, then was doing some contract programming and just really needed like, you know, a job job. And they hired me in at way below what I was making before and way below what I was worth seemingly because they didn't believe my resume. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, we'll see where you're at. And in a couple of weeks, we'll raise you up. And that couple of weeks turned into like six months. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm leaving for another job. And they were like, no, no, no. Like, well, we'll raise you up to this. We'll make <laughs> you like shift, you know, shift lead. We'll do this, this, this. Because I, I I like had, I'm not going to say I revolutionized their programming department, but like mm-hmm. nobody knew, there knew even really how to use Mastercam. And like yeah. I had gone to school for Mastercam. I didn't use it in years, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had at least had formal some, training some exposure. in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I, I remember, I remember programming a job and I wasn't there the day it was supposed to run. And they called me and they go, I'm trying to simulate your, your operations, but I don't see any of the model in the correct orientation. I was like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And I'm thinking on it and thinking on it. I'm like, well, you just go into the WCS manager and, and activate <laughs> the right doc- WCS. And he goes, what's the WCS manager? Oh man. And I was like, what, 
how are you programming in Mastercam with what? And yeah, so it was anyway, it, it, they ended up being like, oh, we'll give you all this stuff. And I was like, put it in writing. And mm-hmm. you know what? The next day I came in, they're like, well, actually, we can't quite pay you that much. And actually, we can't do this. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah, uh-huh. thanks, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. Like You, you really got to pay for good labor. Like one good person is worth many bad hires that are going to be in and out of the shop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just invest in somebody and pay them what they're worth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good situation to be in right now. Cause you know, if I don't, if I don't like where I'm at, you know, it's, it's always, uh, a temptation to be like, okay, well I'll go over there and make some more money, I guess, if you don't like me. Right. See ya, you know? Um, not that like I'm a, a bad employee that can like, you know, get away with everything, but like, it, it's kind of sad that that's another thing that's happening too. It's like, you get people that have these terrible, we call them like the soft skills, right? Like they're, they're pleasant to be around. They, you know, they, they show up on time. They do what they're told and they're not fighting. They're not, they don't come in drunk or, you know, stoned or something like that. Um, th- that was kind of a funny thing. Like when I worked for, for Jeff McWinnie in California, he was always afraid I was, I was going to leave him and go, go work somewhere else because it's like, dude, you, you come from a, a place where people have values and you're in a place that they don't. And so like, you know, George showed up yesterday and he was drunk three hours late and he, you know, uh, ran the spindle into the table and, you know, like I got to pay him still. And it's set, it sucks. And he was just like, don't leave me, please. You're, you're like such an anomaly in the machining industry. And maybe I'm not, but, um, he, he, he liked to think I was cause of, I guess the experiences he had, but I mean, a lot of the people that I've worked with are, you know, they're good people. And so it's, I don't know, I, I be a good person, right? That's another thing that I like to tell people, tell my students. It's like, if, if you're a jerk, not pleasant to be around, like right now, you can probably be tolerated at work because people need somebody so bad, but there's probably going to come a time when like you being a jerk at work isn't going to get you anywhere and they'll, they'll let you go. Yeah. So like, well, well, if you're nice. considered for like a promotion and there's somebody at your same level, who's not a jerk, you're mm-hmm. going to get passed over time after time, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I totally agree. Yeah. Having, having those soft skills is, is a good thing to have. And I try to try to convey that to students and, you know, people that want to get into this. Cause you know, I, I grew up with it. Like, you know, my, my parents are great and, you know, taught me to be nice to other people, <laughs> right? you know, and, and do what you say you're going to do, you know, and, and just, I don't know, just be nice, <laughs> yeah. try to be a pleasant person. So are there any skills you see consistently lacking in students coming up? Oh, it's, or, there, or things that they misunderstand yeah, quite frequently. And, and a lot of it's not really so much the machining. It's just like, so I, I don't know about you, but like when I was in grade school through high school, at, at all my school, like I had a piece of paper handed to me and I read it. It had the instructions there and I would put my name on the top. I, I can't tell you how many students I'm like, who, who the heck does this belong to? There's no name on it. <laughs> we have information. Like there are blanks in boxes you're supposed to fill out. Why don't you fill it out? Like, and then you come and ask questions and it's like, well, did you read the assignment? No. Well, why not? I, I, I think I think people's um, attention spans are getting less because we live in this 
this time of, you know, Amazon Prime two day shipping and right. everything's got to be, you know, we want, and... we want 5G, we want it now. If yeah. it's not a YouTube video tutorial, I, I don't want to listen. I don't want to learn. I don't want to do it. And so I, we get kind of frustrated because, um, at least with our high school kids, that can be a big problem, but it can be a serious problem with the adults too. And it's like, you're, you're going to have some time. Like, I don't know the job shops I worked at, you know, and I was done with the job. Like I had a, I had a, um, like an employee stamp so I could stamp off, you know, I was the one that finished this job or whatever. And then it goes to inspection or then it goes to welding or whatever department after that. Um, but like you have to be accountable, you know, you're, you're responsible for your work. Right. And I, I do see a problem with that in people mm -hmm. that they just like, don't care or something, or I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's a different generation. Uh, and it's kind of, kind of challenging to work with some of these people. So I can see it. I have I definitely dealt with adults that. like that. Like I, I've known a few guys where, you know, they would make bad parts or something and they'd be like, Oh, you know, they'd come to engineering and be like, I don't know why this isn't working. And we'd be like, well, did you read the instructions? And then mm -hmm. they'd go through and they'd be like, Oh yeah, no, I, I completely forgot that step. It's like, yep. Uh, huh. We gave so, you some instructions. You should follow them. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's like two pages. Just, just read the page. It's got pretty pictures and everything. Uh -huh. Just read, read it and follow along. And I, you, you should make a good part. Yeah. As, as far as like the, the skills though, like I, I think a lot of students that at least that we get, you know, they, they do pretty good with learning, picking things up. Um, my, my boss who was actually my high school teacher. Uh, it's kind of fun to, to work with your high school teacher, you know, have, have him as your boss. Cause he's, he's a great guy and he's a great friend, but we, we kind of joke, um, about, I, there, there's some, some movie that, uh, he would talk about and uh, like talking about hunting dogs. Some dogs are hunting dogs and some dogs are not, you know, and, and he'll sometimes we'll have a student that's just like, they're not, they're not going to make it. They're not going to get it. And instead of saying that, he'll just say some dogs just won't hunt and we can just go. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's very true. Um, oh. And, and I, I don't think machining or manufacturing is, is, like so difficult that you know if it doesn't come easy to you you can't get it because i've seen some people that it's quite the challenge for them but they're very driven very motivated and they you know it takes some more time but they start to understand um there are some things that are you know completely foreign concepts i mean teaching people how to read a vernier micrometer sometimes is like <laughs> this isn't that hard man yeah. It's not. I'm sorry. Like maybe this isn't for you. You're gonna find it somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um, but we we get that with high school students especially, and and that's the best time too because like it's free for them and they can go. Oh, this is a lot of work. You know, there's too much math, or it's you know it's too complex. Like, but I really love working on diesel engines, and they're simpler. And I'm gonna go do that. And it's like you know what? That is great because you're good at it too, and and you like it so go do that or, you know, whatever it is, robotics or drafting or whatever. So yeah, machining is not for everybody, but if you're in it and you like it and you're decent at it, you know, you can, you can make a good living at it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into some of the questions. Uh, Tuck's garage asked why titanium? Um, I like the way it looks I like the way it, it machines. It's, it's challenging to machine. 
Um, but once you once you get used to it, like I, I hear students all the time, you know, they're they're complaining about aluminum or or well, maybe not so much aluminum because it's so easy, but at least with steel, it's like, oh man, this is tough, you know. And it's like, dude, that's nothing. Let me let me show you something. Let's let's go grab this piece of titanium that I have, a piece of scrap of, and I'll show you I'll show you deflection, <laughs> right? You know. So I, I like the way that it it machines. It's it finishes really nice. Um, it's lightweight and strong. So there's there's an aspect to it that. Um, you know, at least for like the rings there, I like the, the seemingly like wearing nothing sort of thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's strong too. the lightweight and strength combination is great. Uh, but yeah, that's mostly it. I like the way it looks It machines. Nice. I've, I'm used to it now. Um, I'll, I'll be cutting something in steel and be like, wait, what? Oh crap. I didn't, you know, I, I can probably go a lot faster and that doesn't sound great because I'm probably going too slow for it. And let's, let's go speed it up or something. Um, but yeah, I, I like titanium. It's cool. Yeah, I totally agree. It's got a value to it. You know, it, it, people seem to understand that it's, it's more expensive, more difficult to work with. And, and that places, at least from my, my product standpoint, it means, oh, there's, there's a little bit more effort required to make this rather than like doing it in aluminum. Right, right. So. But and it has that like, even if it wasn't deserved, it has that buzzword. You know, people see. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's the same thing with like aerospace grade sixty sixty one. You're uh-huh. like, that's that's just aluminum. Like that's normal. But yeah. like people who aren't in the trade, they're like, oh, I gotta have that. You know. Mm-hmm. So there, there was actually funny, funny story. There's, and this is actually kind of more that I didn't really talk about in my my, you know, my backstory, my my origin of being into this, at least with the rings. Uh, when I got, when I was getting married, um, there's a company, uh, called rogue DZN. I don't know if you've, you've ever heard of that. Um, his website's no longer around, but the guy that, that owned it did machined titanium jewelry. That was it. And he's a designer. He's not a machinist. So he had it farmed out. Um, but he's, he's got a degree in, in design. He's been to some, some, you know, good schooling for design work and he's really talented. Uh, I don't know if he was head of design at one time at Oakley, but, um, he worked for Oakley as, as a designer. Um, I believe he did an internship at Nike as well. And now he's the lead designer at red camera. So if you're familiar with like cinema cameras, so he's, he's the one that has the, uh, the very stereotypical look of what the red cameras look like. So his name's Matt Tremblay. Um, and he had this, this pretty awesome jewelry company that was, you know, limited edition, uh, very, very unique in terms of like what it was that he made because his, he had this, you know, it's, I, I, I would say an art, um, take on it that, um, at least in the jewelry industry, it's all noble metals and precious stones, right? So the the value comes from more of like what it's made of more than what it is. Um, it's a very lucrative business and it's marked up so much. It's kind of disgusting. Um, but anyways, his take was let's, let's make something that looks freaking awesome, 
because it's engineered to look freaking awesome. And then let's cut it out on a five axis in titanium. And you know, the way titanium surfaces, well, he'd leave all the scallop marks, you know, from a ball end mill. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. So he had this wedding ring that I really wanted. It was called the, the revolver. It's six pieces. It's done on a five axis. It has to be done on a five axis because it's off axis bolting. And I was like, that's, that's it. That's what I want to make for my wedding ring. And I, I contacted him because I, I, I don't want to like get in trouble. I don't know. I, I, I'm always like, uh, I want to do things right and be nice and, you know, uh, not, not step on people's toes. So I emailed him and I, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm really interested in this ring, but like, I'm, I'm a cheap, poor college student, you know, I can't afford this, but I have access to five axis and I'm, I'm kind of teaching myself five axis at work. And I said, Hey, would you let me take this design and try to reverse engineer it and make one myself just for myself for a wedding ring? Are you cool with that? And he was like, yeah, sure. You know, knock yourself out. Don't, don't, uh, try to sell them or, you know, like give them away to people. Like just make one. I'm cool with making just one. Um, and I was like, yeah, cool. I, it's for my wedding ring. That's all I want. I'm cool with that. And so it, it took me a lot of time to, uh, reverse engineer it. Cause I had never, I had never played with SolidWorks, but he was like, oh, you gotta, you gotta learn SolidWorks. So he was the one that pushed me into that. Um, so I, I, I kind of taught myself SolidWorks. I, I figured it out. I made it and I thought it was pretty cool. And that was kind of like the spark of, well, I can't sell this, but like, I love this. This was the most fun I've ever had. I should try to do my own thing. And so I started coming up with my own designs for rings and that's how I started. Um, but his, his take on the, the limited edition, the aerospace grade titanium, you know, that was his thing is like, he, he was a very good salesman too, because I make mean, any, any CNC machinist will look at his stuff and go, yeah, it's cool. But like, I've done just as crazy stuff for NASA or, you know, any, any aerospace part, right. You know, you're making anything aerospace and it can get really complex. And so he, he was kind of, I, I, I don't want to say arrogant, but he, he kind of had this, you know, he wanted to play a good good salesman and, and push his products because they were really expensive. Like the ring that I wanted was $4,300. Um, and everything else was like way up from there. I mean, he's got a, a bracelet that was, uh, like 161 parts. That's all five axis made. And it's like, I think it was 87 grand or something like that. And he made five of them, you know? So it, it's, it's kind of like the art for art's sake, but any machinist would look at it and go, yeah, there's some crazy machining there, but like, it's not that intense. But if you don't know that, if you're not a machinist, if you're not into manufacturing and you have billions of dollars to blow, this was the guy that would kind of say, I got something for you and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Right. And, you know, so I, I did think that was kind of cool, but it was just the, um, kind of bragging about the materials a little bit that I was kind of like, well, now that I know a little bit about titanium, it's, I mean, yeah, it's kind of tough to work with, but like there's tougher, you know, right. I'd, I'd rather cut titanium than Inconel any day. Yes. <laughs> or Monel or, you know, some of these Waspaloy, Hasloy, I don't want to touch them. Um, I know that there's people that that's their bread and butter, but like, I like titanium. It's, it's fun. So. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. Just look at the ring. That's really neat. 
yeah. So I did one of those and it was my, my kickstart into, you know, wanting to, to make things to sell to people. And I, I like it. It's fun. Definitely. It's He's, funny, actually, your rings come up as like related images. He probably I... hates me for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he got kind of mad at me when I, like, I, I would email him and I'd never get responses back after a while. And and I, I asked somebody that had one of his products and it's like, he thinks you tried to steal something from him. I was like, really? I, that's weird. I've, I never tried to sell his thing. Uh, I, I wanted it for a wedding ring and I still have it. It kind of doesn't fit me very, I learned a bunch on that project, but, um, I like the opening rings a little bit better now. So that's what I wear for a wedding ring, but I still have it. I keep, I have a, like a jewelry, a Pelican case is my, my jewelry case of like, you know, things that I've made that I (laughs) show off to people or, you know, whatever. But so yeah, I, he's, he's a cool guy and he's, he's, he's pretty inspiring because his design talent is, is outrageous, but um, whatever. <laughs> if he doesn't like me because I I come up in his Google image searches, whatever. <laughs> well, it's like a similar aesthetic, but they're clearly different products. Yeah. Know? Well, that that's that's one thing that um I get into with design is like original design is very uh it's I'd say it's almost impossible because nobody lives in a white box. Right. Um, and as far as design work, so this is, this is another question I think somebody had in, um, for me that it's like, how do you come up with your designs? I, I, yeah, I look yeah, at so the world the around one me. From Tuck's garage was how do you get the inspiration for your design? Yeah. So this is perfect. Yeah. So I, I look at the world around me. I mean, I, I really like nature now. I've come to, to, uh, really love the way that nature does things. And I still am like always thinking of like, how can I, how can I, introduce that into like a design but as far as like where do i get the aspects from um there's there's so much cool stuff and there's way better designers out there than me but i can go and look at you know just just thumb through instagram in design stuff or um pinterest or google image search you know there's just lots of lots of revenues to go or lots of venues to go look through to find inspiration um I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that's like, you know, that that uh, Oakley had influence from, you know, sports cars, you know, Italian right. Italian sports cars or any, any sports cars for that matter. Um, so, yeah, I just start to look at the world around and go, that's kind of cool the way that looks, you know, I want to. I want to do something that looks like that, you know, if I have an idea of something I want to make, that's that's what I'll do. Um, but, yeah, I think as far as like original design unique i i I struggle to think that it exists because nobody is absent from the influence of the world around them um it even it goes for any art art type right like somebody that paints pictures is going to be influenced by somebody else's paintings at one point because they they have to have an interest in it and they go, they see somebody else that doesn't go, I like what they do. I want to do that sometime too. And then they start to look at the world around them and go, Oh, look at that tree. That's beautiful. I want to paint that tree or, you know, look at the way that that building, you know, was the architecture of that building was made. It's, it's really cool. I want to do that kind of stuff too. So I, I think humans are really, you know, copycat copycats. <laughs> yeah. Well, you there's know. that saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Like, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Like, it's, yeah. I, 
yeah, you're always going to be inspired by somebody. And, and, you know, I think that that's how you kind of find your own flair is you, especially like what you did. Like, I, I feel like I watch a lot of comedy and that's what a lot of comedians say is that like when they first started out, they were doing like copycat routines of other mm-hmm. comedians that they really liked. And it's like through that, that you find your own voice. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. the same way with design, you know, like by making that ring, you're like, well, this is cool. But like, oh, totally. I would do it this way. Yeah, exactly. Because people, I'll get asked that all the time. People say, "How did you come up with this?" Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a creative person. How did you come up with this? And it's, it's like exercising a muscle. You know, if you don't, if you don't put the work into it, you're not going to develop the muscle. Uh, like I said earlier, like I, I don't sketch things, um, but if I, if I put myself to do it, I could get pretty good at it because I. I like to draw. I like to doodle. I, my favorite thing about teaching is having a whiteboard in my office because <laughs> I'm always out in the shop and it's like, ah, come here, let's go to my office for a second, you know, and I'll go, I, I just grab the markers and I can, I can put it on the whiteboard in a bigger, you know, bigger scale. And I do it good enough that people understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I, I think developing the talent for it just takes, the work you got to put yourself into it and some of my designs like i the very first things that i designed were like i i think they're they're very basic and rudimentary now and i go back to them and it's like oh yeah i remember when you know that was like the first original idea i thought i had you know and it was like so crazy to me that i just came up with this and now it's like no that's kind of a dumb idea i'll set that one aside or you know i'm not going (laughs) to visit that for a while maybe i'll i'll do something with it but it was really just start to design things, start to, to, you know, I did doodle a little bit, just draw sketches. I mean, I still have, you know, some of the, like, I think the first ring that I did, the, the triangle, I don't know if you've seen my triangular band ring, but um, that was like the first ring that I came up with. And I, I think I have the napkin sketch that I did at work. Like it was like a, uh, oh, what's the, uh, I think it was like a subway napkin or something that I, I was just like, I had just finished lunch. You know, I got a part that's got like a 45 minute runtime parts are deburred. My area is clean. And I'm like, I'm bored, you know? And I, so I just started doodling and it's like, I want to make another ring. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I did that, but it's just doing that kind of stuff. So that's really yeah. cool. Well, the last question I wanted to touch on from Car Curry PGH was, how did you make the jump to machining only luxury objects as you seem to specialize in? And it sounds like maybe that's not, not an intentional jump, but, you know, what what keeps you in that area? Um, I, I, have a, I have expensive taste and I have an eye for quality. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of people tend to get that in machining because you start to look at things and, and see how they're made. And I mean, like you, you can tell by looking at somebody's work, if it was good or if it was not good. I mean, there are some great quality that comes out of China. I mean, look at, look at all of our electronics, for example, like at least, you know, Apple has amazing quality, you know, Samsung's got great quality. Um, So it's not that China makes bad stuff, but you do see things and we do joke about it a lot that it's like, yeah, it was made China and you can see things that um, are made poorly. And so it was kind of that, that, you know, I, I like to, uh, I like to see people's hard work do something of value. Um, and you can see that in some things, right. Uh, a lot of the, 
you know, you, you can look at the handle that I did and go, there's, there's some time in that, you know, you put some effort into doing that thing. And, you know, even though I lost money, like I wasn't, I wasn't gonna stoop to a level where I just produced garbage. Um, I want to make something that, that says that I do good work. You know, I, I guess I, I kind of hold myself to a, a high standard. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, John Grimsmo would say going full Grimsmo, you know, and, right. and, uh, you know, I, before, before I knew who he was, you know, I was just like, it's just, I, I, I have a standard and I'm going to hold myself to that standard. And I, I kind of discovered that in doing my own stuff that there's, there's no quality control in, in my stuff except for me. So if I go, oh, you know what? this is not good. I set it aside and I have to do it over again. Um, like I, it was, it was always painful when I made a propeller and, um, I, I had to anodize the tips cause everybody liked the blue anodized tips and it was a really simple process. I just used really good 3M scotch tape, like the clear stuff that you buy it, you know, you can get it at Walmart. Um, but I would kind of like burnish, burnish the tape really well under, under a microscope and make sure because the, the first time I, I, uh, masked it off and went to anodize it. Um, the anodizing got up under the tape and it went up the blade and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't, th- this sucks because I just put, you know, th- like three hours into machining this thing and I can't ship it now because it's got a blemish on it. Like right. I, I don't want to let this go because it doesn't, meet my standard it doesn't look good and it was really defeating because it's like but it's still like it would still make a good spinner and and it was down the road that i was like you know i had set it aside and i was like what am i going to do with that now you know and then and then uh my dad did did a lot of motorcycle stuff and he was he he was always rebuilding a motorcycle and he'd take like clutch covers off and sand them and polish them and i was like you know what i'll i'll set this aside and and uh sand it and polish it to a mirror mirror polish and so I've done a couple of those, but, um, yeah, I, I just try to hold myself to a high standard on, on things. And it's kind of pushed me to do stuff that is, you know, a little bit more high end, I guess. Um, I I imagine they have the, the higher end goods have the cost associated with them that allow you to be a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, there's, there's good money with it. Although it, you know, I guess you learn in how to make the good money, (laughs) but, uh, it, it can be a fun project. I, I get bored with monotonous stuff. So like if somebody wants me to make, make something and they want like, I, I, I did, a I did some prototypes for a guy that did a Kickstarter down a couple hours South from me. And, uh, they were these little titanium toothpicks and, he had them made in China for, for really cheap and he just needed some new prototypes made. And he came up and visited me and, and I told him, I was like, you're, you're going to, you're going to pay for my time. And he was like, that's okay. I, I want that. I want, you have good quality. I like your work. Um, and you can do it pretty quick cause you know, China will take forever and right. cost, you know, probably as much as what you want to charge me. Um, 
but he wanted me after, after that, he loved it so much. He's like, you want to make like 10,000 of these? And it's like, no, <laughs> that does not, that does not sound fun. Right. <laughs> like the setup, you know, and it was like a lathe job too. And it was like, I, not on a mill. This is a lathe part and I have a mill and that's not going to be a fun project. Like there's, I have a lot of time into making this for a reason. No, I'm happy to do a prototype for you and make something look good, but I don't want to make a thousand of them. So I, I got to a point even with like doing propellers because I, I made limited runs of everything. It's like, I'm going to do 25 of this option and 25 of this option. And I was like, I'm going to put the serial number on it, engrave it in the machine. And I'm going to hold myself to that. Like I, I could have sold so much more of, of that blue tipped propeller if, if I had just said, yeah, I'll do it. And I probably should have because it would have been nice to have them more money, but, <laughs> uh, there was just, you know, I, I want to hold myself to that standard and I got bored making them too. It was like, ah, just doing the same thing. Um, now it would be like anytime that somebody, cause I'll, I'll make some of the ones that are still available. Somebody will email me just out of the blue and it's like, Hey, will you, do you still make these? And it's like, uh, that's an easy 500 bucks. Yeah, I'll make it. Right. <laughs> I've got the tool. I've got, I've got the material. It's just load, you know, load and touch off stuff again and, and hit go. And yeah, I'll do that. Easy money. Um, are you so window I, I like machining those? No, I, I, uh, so I, I do something that's a little bit, a little bit different that, um, not a lot of machinists know about. Um, Actually, I, I used to do that. I don't anymore. I just use I just used uh, soft jaws for making the the propellers now. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I just I just I just surfaced the the soft jaws. I'll I'll send I'll send you a picture of them later. It's it's not too complex, but it it works really well. I I made sure I had some good surfaces to to actually hold them. Um, and when I did the three blade propellers, I actually had to get really. I used a mighty bite fixture and and um, did some pretty creative stuff with that fixture design that's fun too i like oh, yeah. that kind of stuff because that's totally like agree. that's like design work with no uh no strings attached i mean as, as far as like making the part but that's that's the only string but you just get to design something right and just um go for it but yeah i i, I use this method um I, I don't know if you've ever seen or heard people use use bismuth for work holding I have heard of it. I've heard that and uh, a castable, like epoxy yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you so were using never... that for the prototypes? Yeah. I, and I use it for all my rings and tie clips and stuff. I don't, no I way. don't, uh, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's a little bit time consuming. Um, but in the right circumstance, it's, it's a huge time saver at the same, same time. Um, so. I, 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 maybe you should get Jeff McWinney on here and have him have him do a podcast episode with you, and he could talk about it more too. Because I learned it from him. I had never seen or heard of it, um, but it's it's a brilliant idea. I mean, it's just it works incredibly well. I've made watch hands, you know, like like ten thou thick watch hands with it, and it it can it can it can fail sometimes, uh, right. but you know you can make some ridiculously difficult to hold parts with with bismuth. I've made. I've made parts that, I mean, like you could machine a, a perfect sphere with it. Um, I've made like airplane, I made this little teeny model airplane thing that was just machined out of titanium. It's like an inch big. I don't, I don't know where I have it, but it, it has no flat surfaces anywhere on the part. 
and completely held with bismuth. Um, it gets kind of tricky because, you know, it's it's a two op two op job, and the, right. the second op is your your bismuth work holding, um, and so it can be difficult if you don't have like some straight walls to hold on to. Um, and so I have I have some methods that kind of help with that. But so are uh, you like window machining it, but without tabs, and then fill, backfilling that side with bismuth, and then flipping it over? Um, I've I've done that actually doing the. Uh, doing the bottle opener for, for this common. That's how I did that. And I wasn't planning on it. Like that project was, it was kind of miraculous. Like <laughs> it was a godsend. The ideas that came to me as I was doing it, it, it totally was because I, I got to a point and I was like, Oh crap. Oh crap. What have I done? What did I just do? I've got to ship this in like two days too. What am I? Oh my gosh. Well, you only had like one piece <laughs> of stock too, right? Or something like that. Two, three. Oh, okay, That's but but there was enough time into making it that it was like ah, I'm not starting this over. Right. But anyways, yeah, I had I had done tabs in and window, and um, but my tabs weren't very big, and and I was like, this is a big. There's a lot of mass to this part for like a. a I didn't give myself enough tabs. Usually, when I use tabs, it's like, oh my gosh, I way overthought the tab, and it's like now I've got to like you know go go add another machining operation to cut the tab smaller to take it out because right. i just think it's like it's never going to work and so i i i i went the opposite route on that one and made the tabs <laughs> way too small and it was like this is not good so just before i would have cut the tabs off i was i had this perfect little cavity set up and had just like it, it couldn't have been a better fit if I if I had planned it and designed it that way, but I happened to have a piece of material that like slid under the part between the jaws and the top of my vise because I, I have small vices, and so I used the outside um, the outside jaws of my vices to hold this thing, and I had this piece of titanium plate that was, I mean, it was probably like a one thou clearance fit between the part and the the top of the the vise, and it just it slid in. And it was like, it's not going anywhere and it's completely closed off and I have a cavity now and I'm going to pour in my bismuth to where I need it to. And it held it just perfectly. Oh, that's amazing. Um, it worked so well. I got so lucky and it, it made it so I wasn't like five days in to a seven day job and had to start over. So it worked just, <laughs> it was a godsend really. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool method to hold things that, um, that are just odd. And I, I think that's how McWinney got into using it because he worked at, I think he worked at 3M as a, um, an R and D machinist and they just had all sorts of weird stuff. And it was like, how are we going to hold that? And we only need to make one. Well, we could do soft jaws, but we're probably going to spend a lot of time cutting soft jaws and they may not work. Let's, let's do bismuth. So it was actually, I think, uh, when I've, he told me that it was like first used for like pipe bending for thin wall tubing. So if you can, you know, heat it up, pour it into a tube and then you could take like a, you know, 20 thou tube and, and bend it on a pipe bender and it doesn't crinkle and, you know, break oh, the tube. And then, and then you take a torch and you heat up the tube under, you know, under the band and you just pour it out. And it's just really awesome idea. Um, but it, at the same time, it just works miracles for titanium or for, for, um, holding these little teeny tiny odd shaped pieces. So it's not so much of doing like a window. I do a nest and in, in the nest. So I, I usually get like a, 
Uh, it's like three inches long by one inch wide, like half inch thick chunk of tie. And I'll get, I'll nest all my parts in that piece, machine all the pieces together. And then I have either um, holes in the parts that I can use for, for locating, or I'll just like leave, leave some space in the nest to put in some, some like location pins and studs. And I just, drill and, and ream the, the holes. And then I have a fixture that has the matching pins mm-hmm. and you usually, I mean, two, two surfaces, you know, is, is pretty good to work with. So I flip it over, put it on those, those pins in the fixture and it's, you know, the fixture's kind of a cavity again too. And then I just put a clamp on the part so it doesn't move and then pour in the bismuth, wait for it to harden. And it's holding pieces that, you know, for, for rings, it's awesome because if I do a size nine or a nine and an eighth or nine and a quarter, it's a different program, right? And so like I'd have to have a different set of soft jaws for every component to that ring. And and these rings can take, you know, some of them are five unique pieces or six unique pieces. And it's like, I'd have to have a set of soft jaws for every one of those pieces. And it's t- it's like the size of your tooth or smaller, you know, right. these are, these are medical size uh, implant size parts. And the bismuth just does it perfect. So the extra time that it takes, cause you gotta, you gotta preheat your fixture. Otherwise you're pouring in, um, you know, some hot, hot molten metal and into a, like a cool fixture. So I preheat the fixture. Um, you gotta, you gotta heat the stuff up on a, like a, a burner unit on a, you know, I get a pot from like Goodwill or whatever and just throw it in there and melt it. Um, you gotta be careful with the fumes. I'm always worried about like, I used to use stuff that had, lead and cadmium in it and it was like Ooh. sometimes i walk away <laughs> and i come back and it's kind of smoky and it's like oh crap I, I left that 20 minutes ago and it takes like two minutes to get to temperature and now it's burning and now i've got lead that i'm breathing or, or worse cadmium so i right. i found a i found a, a safer uh alloy that's just bismuth and tin it's a little higher melting point but it's a little safer i feel to to use so i don't kill myself inhaling toxic fumes or something so yeah probably a good idea <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i did have a little a little uh well mcwinney had a, a an exhaust fan over the top that, that i didn't have so i i actually have my garage door open or my windows or, or whatever and i just you know airs out okay but yeah there's there's a lot of stuff in the machining industry that can be kind of scary toxic and uh i don't i don't like that <laughs> yeah I, I know a lot of people like have have had issues with coolant and I just, I don't want to breathe it. I don't want to touch it on my skin. Cause like your skin is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about like in the sixties when they did acid, but like you just drop it on the back of your hand right. and it absorbs. So like oh, yeah. when I heard that and it's like, I get coolant on my hands, you know, if you, it's going somewhere, you know, alcohol, <laughs> alcohol disappears pretty fast, but, um, you know, who's to say how fast coolant absorbs into your skin. So I just, I try to be safe with my stuff too. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of people are just like, ah, whatever, you're weird. I, I'm, I, I could go off for hours in, in health stuff too. Um, I'm sure you have to deal with it a lot at the school. Um, not so much actually. It's, it's more of a personal, that's like my, my biggest hobby outside of like making things is, is, uh, learning about health. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Physics, physics, biology, quantum mechanics, quantum biology, that kind of stuff. And so I'm always interested in, in learning about that and just always finding out like, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen people that, you know, use the, like 
the blue blocking glasses. It's like I I have every house and or every light in my house goes to red at night because it's like I don't want any blue light and. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm big into uh, learning about like circadian biology and and how it affects like all of the processes of the human body. It it just interests me because uh I, no nobody wants to wake up in the morning and be like oh I f-, you know I feel like garbage. This is awesome. You know right. everybody wants to feel their best. Um, so I get I get made fun of sometimes because it's like you know I'm always trying to eat healthy or, or you know get in the sun or, you know, just, just do these things that people think are, are odd, but I don't care. I, I'll do my weird stuff and, and see how it turns out. You do your own <laughs> stuff and let me know, let me know how your, uh, you know, your toxic environment works for you down the road. <laughs> exactly. But, well, yeah. that brings me to shop news and new things. Are there any new designs that you're looking at releasing or working on right now that you would be willing um, to share? I, I don't have anything right now. I, I probably should come up with something. I need to go back through my stuff and, and find some design that I should go play with. Um, cause I have a couple of rings that I've yet to make. Um, but I, I do, I, I'm working on a project right now doing another collaboration. Um, I won't say with, with whom at the moment, um, because it hasn't been released yet, but in, in next couple months i'll have have these things done and and uh shipped off to him and he'll be selling them and, and and showing it and i can show it after that but um so i've got some cool titanium stuff coming here with him this guy and uh should be pretty cool awesome well we'll keep our eyes out then and you know see what comes of it yeah i don't have any new equipment or anything like that i uh i don't get to buy new stuff all that often <laughs> hobby being a hobby machinist um, is, is kind of hard to buy new equipment. So there's going to be a time when like, uh, you know, re- rebuilding the office mill isn't, isn't doable anymore and I need to get a new one and it's going to be, um, a little harder to achieve that down the road if I don't like start saving for it now. But, um, I do want, I, I would love to get a new office mill or an office lathe to kind of add in. Um, but yeah, I just, kind of work with what i have i've got got the mill i got the lathe i got um microscope anodizing tumbling um yeah that's that's about it i do i do 3d printing for for fun just because it's it's great to take you know an idea and go i can have it in my hand and not waste the material on the mill i can i can probably do some things as quick on the mill as as you know say like the form three sometimes, but, uh, it's, it's a little bit, um, easier to do it in the 3d printer, you know, just hit print rather than go program it and go make it. So I like that, but yeah, no, I've been a big proponent of that. I know there's so many people that, you know, I guess it's like fringe people who are like, Oh, it's going to take our jobs one day, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it makes your job easier. Like it means Mm -hmm. that you're not making garbage. Like you're making stuff that, most likely has been figured out a little bit more than like I'll I'll design something and print it and be like, Oh, it's way smaller than I thought it was, or it doesn't fit my hand at all. Or, you know, things like that. Uh huh. So I think it's great. Yeah. I love, I love the printing for that. It's, it's super cool. Can be expensive with, you know, like the, the form. Um, but man, I love the Prusa. It's awesome. You know, filament's cheap and you know, if it's too small, I'll just scale it up. So I have an idea of like, this is what it's going to look like 
keep in mind it's it's bigger now, but you know this is this is what it is, and it happens that quick. Materials cheap, the the printers like virtually never have problems. It's just an incredible little machine. I, that was probably the best business investment ever. Was that Prusa? I love it. Yeah, just a phenomenal tool. Yeah, everyone so. who has them says such wonderful things about them. I, I definitely have thought about. Well, I was one at I was some point. yeah I was so hesitant to to get one for such a long time because the the nature of what I do is small stuff and it's like ah oh, it's not FDM printing is just not great for teeny tiny components right and somebody told me they were like well just make it bigger if you all you're doing is prototyping anyways just scale it up a little bit so that the printer can print it and I was like that's genius <laughs> okay I'm sold you know I'll get one and you know 800 bucks and uh it was like or, if, or whatever it was, I can't remember how much I paid for it, but um, yeah, that that's an awesome tool. Love them. That's so. excellent. Well, that brings me to the last question I ask every guest, which is, "What did you research this week?" And it can be machining related, it can be anything related. You know, it doesn't anything under the sun. It's just always really kind of cool to see what other people in the trade are, you know, geeking out on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question because I. I am always researching like a billion things at a time. I, I don't know how I get anything done because I can go from one tangent to another so quick. And it's like, I need to look up how to use this tool or, you know, this method of, of you know, learn a little bit more about this in machining or, uh, you know, again, health. I, I spend a lot of time, uh, like I am embarrassed. I haven't listened to very many of the within tolerance podcasts and I'm going, I'm catching up on them now. I've been listening to, you know, at least, at least people that I've talked to and met and it's like, Oh, great. Danny Rudolph. I love Danny. I'm going to listen to Danny. Oh, I'm going to listen to Chris. I'm going to listen to Jeff Sapp. I've met Jeff. I know Jeff. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I've, I've been listening to him. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I'm, I'm going into him more, but I, I have a half an hour commute on my way to work. So I'm always listening to something. It's like, people ask me what I like to listen to for music. And it's like, I don't know anymore because I just listen to podcasts and you know <laughs> find YouTube videos for like things that I feel are going to help me be better rather than like you know just in, enjoy listening to music or, or you know zone out listening to music because you don't even have to pay attention to it. Um, but I'm always listening to podcasts um, or like some webinar or something from somebody. Uh, so like, I guess this week I've, I've, and I've always got a handful of books. I've got several books that I'm trying to read. So it takes me to, forever to get through books because I've got like 10 at a time. I'm trying to read the fourth phase of water by Dr. Gerald Pollack, um, inventing Bitcoin by Jan Pritzker. I've, I've been in a lot of, um, Bitcoin rabbit holes lately. Cause that one's pretty, pretty incredible too. I could go off on that for a long time too. Um, light light water magnetism uh what was who is that by can't remember uh going going somewhere a truth the truth about a life in science by dr andrew marino um the body electric by dr robert or robert o becker um the epipaleo prescription by dr jack cruz 
Uh, there's there's so many things that I'm always kidding. (laughs) I'm going into a thousand rabbit holes all the time. And like my wife is just like, well, what did you, what'd you learn today? You know, there's, there's always something that you're, you're going to be talking about at, at dinner. And it's like, what, what'd you, what'd you pick up today? Cause there's always something, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I just feel like I'm, I, I don't like to sit still and, and do nothing. I feel bad when I want to like, my wife wants to watch a movie or something. And it's like, but I, I could be, I could be learning something. I could be doing something productive and, and beneficial, but I guess there's times where it's like, you know, I just got to watch something let's let's sit down and watch a movie or go to a movie or whatever but not not super duper often because i i want to be productive and and you know help myself out i guess more yeah definitely lots of things to to pick from there (laughs) that's great that's really cool well trevor i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show it's been great to get to know you more know more about your company what you do all that stuff thank you so much yeah, this this has been great. Um, if you ever want to do it again down down the road, let me know because um, I'll, I'll make time for it. I think it's it's pretty fun to to talk to other people. I, I I love it when people come over to my shop if if they ever can. I mean, it's only only people that are local or passing through ever have that opportunity. But having having connections to talk to other people, especially that you know we've got a common interest and like to make things and like to talk about making things. I, I think this is awesome and I love the podcast for that. Oh, I appreciate so, it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And thanks to all the Patreon members who make this show possible. And thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back next week.